coldest summers that had been for years. That drove them to do indoor things. You might say, indoor exploration. Polly had discovered long ago that if you opened a certain little door in the box-room attic of her house, you would find the cistern and a dark place behind it like a tunnel, with a brick wall on one side and a sloping roof on the other. Polly had used the bit of the tunnel just beside the cistern as a smuggler's cave. Diggory quite liked the cave, but he was more interested in exploring. Look here, how long does this tunnel go on for? I mean, does it stop where your house ends? No, said Polly. The walls don't go out to the roof. It goes on. I don't know how far. Then we could get the length of the whole row of houses. So we could, said Polly. And, oh, I say. What? We could get into the other houses. Yes, and get taken for burglars. No thanks. Don't be so jolly clever. I was thinking of the house beyond yours. What about it? Why, it's the empty one. Daddy says it's always been empty ever since we came here. Neither of them said the word haunted, and both felt that once the thing had been suggested, it would be feeble not to do it. We mustn't make a sound, said Polly, as they climbed in again behind the cistern. They were in a hurry to start on the exploration. Because it was such an important occasion, they took a candle each. It was very dark and dusty and draughty, and they stepped from rafter to rafter, without a word except when they whispered to one another, We are opposite your attic now, or This must be halfway through our house. At last they came where they could see a little door in the brick wall on their right. Shall I? said Diggory. I'm game if you are, said Polly. Diggory pushed, the door swung open, and the sudden daylight made them blink. Then, with a great shock, they saw they were looking not into a deserted attic, but into a furnished room. But it seemed empty enough. It was dead silent. Polly's curiosity got the better of her. She blew out her candle and stepped out into the strange room making no more noise than a mouse. It was shaped, of course, like an attic, but furnished as a sitting room. A fire was burning in the grate, and in front of the fireplace, with its back towards them, was a high-backed armchair. Between the chair and Polly, and filling most of the middle of the room, was a big table, piled with all sorts of things, printed books and books of the sort you write in, and ink bottles and pens and sealing wax, and a microscope. But what she noticed first was a bright red wooden tray with a number of rings on it. They were in pairs, a yellow one and a green one together, then a little space, and then another yellow one and another green one. They were no bigger than ordinary rings, and no one could help noticing them because they were so bright. They were the most beautifully shiny little things you can imagine. The room was so quiet that you noticed the ticking of the clock at once. And yet, as she now found, it was not absolutely quiet either. There was a faint, a very, very faint humming sound, a musical tone, only so faint that you could hardly hear it. 
It's all right. There's no one here, said Polly over her shoulder to Diggory, and Diggory came out, blinking and looking extremely dirty, as indeed Polly was too. This is no good, he said. It's not an empty house at all. We'd better bunk before anyone comes. What do you think those are, said Polly, pointing at the coloured rings. Oh, come on, said Diggory. The sooner... He never finished what he was going to say. But at that moment something happened. The high-backed chair in front of the fire moved suddenly, and there rose up out of it the alarming form of Diggory's uncle, Andrew Ketterley. They were not in the empty house at all. They were in Diggory's house and in the forbidden study. Both children said, Oh! and realized their terrible mistake. Diggory was quite speechless, for Uncle Andrew looked a thousand times more alarming than he had ever looked before. Polly was not so frightened yet, but she soon was, for the very first thing Uncle Andrew did was to walk across to the door of the room, shut it, and turn the key in the lock. There, he said, now my fool of a sister can't get at you. Polly's heart came into her mouth, and she and Diggory started backing towards the little door they had come in by. Uncle Andrew was too quick for them. He got behind them and shut that door too and stood in front of it. Then he rubbed his hands and made his knuckles crack. I'm delighted to see you, he said. Two children are just what I wanted. You see, I'm in the middle of a great experiment. I've tried it on a guinea pig and it seems to work. <laughs> but then a guinea pig can't tell you anything. And you can't explain to it how to come back. Look here, Uncle Andrew, said Diggory. It really is dinner time, and they'll be looking for us in a moment. You must let us out. Well, well, he said. If you really must go, I suppose you must. Go to your dinner. But I must give you a present before you go. It's not every day that I see a little girl in my dingy old study. Especially, if I may say so, such a very attractive young lady as yourself. Wouldn't you like a ring, my dear? Do you mean one of those yellow or green ones, said Polly? How lovely. Not a green one, said Uncle Andrew. I'm afraid I can't give the green ones away. But I'd be delighted to give you any of the yellow ones with my love. Come and try one on. There was certainly something strangely attractive about those bright rings. Polly moved over to the tray. Why, I declare, she said, that humming noise gets louder here. It's almost as if the rings were making it. What a funny fancy, my dear, said Uncle Andrew with a laugh. But Diggory had seen an eager, almost a greedy look on his face. Polly, don't be a fool, he shouted. Don't touch them. It was too late. Exactly as he spoke, Polly's hands went out to touch one of the rings. And immediately, without a flash or a noise or a warning of any sort, there was no Polly. Diggory and his uncle were alone in the room. It was so sudden and so horribly unlike anything that had ever happened to Diggory even in a nightmare, that he let out a scream. Instantly, 
Uncle Andrew's hand was over his mouth. None of that, he hissed in Diggory's ear. If you start making a noise, your mother will hear it. And you know what a fright might do to her. Perhaps you couldn't help it. It is a shock when you first see someone vanish. Why, it gave even me a turn when the guinea pig did it the other night. Was that when you yelled? Oh, you heard that, did you? I hope you haven't been spying on me. No, I haven't. But what's happened to Polly? Congratulate me, my dear boy. My experiment has succeeded. The little girl's gone. Vanished. Right out of the world. What have you done to her? Sent her to... Well, to another place. What do you mean? Uncle Andrew sat down and said, Have you ever heard of old Mrs. Le Fay? Wasn't she a great aunt or something? said Diggory. Not exactly, said Uncle Andrew. She was my godmother. That's her, there, on the wall. Was there... wasn't there something wrong about her, Uncle Andrew? Well, said Uncle Andrew with a chuckle, Depends what you call wrong. People are so narrow-minded. She certainly got very queer in later life, did very unwise things. That was why they shut her up. But look here, what has all this got to do with Polly? I do wish you'd... All in good time, my boy. They let old Mrs. Le Fay out before she died. I was one of the very few people whom she would allow to see her in her last illness. It was only a few days before her death that she told me to go to an old bureau in her house and open a secret drawer and bring her a little box that I'd find there. The moment I picked up that box, I could tell by the pricking in my fingers that I held some great secret in my hands. Of course, I didn't dare to open the box for a long time, for I knew it might contain something highly dangerous.